2020. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and Reed. Uh, Andrew is off this week. Not that he'd be on the show anyway. No, probably not. Because fuck that guy. No, just, <laughs> uh, all the best, Andrew, as he moves into his new house. Uh, supposedly. But he's been talking about it for weeks. We are here to talk about a whole lot of AEW wrestling, anyway, uh, as their Revolution pay-per-view took place last Saturday, six days ago. That feels, not to you, apparently, but to me, a bazillion miles away, just because there's been so much to talk about from it. Well, dare I uh, say, we won't even have time to talk about anything that isn't AEW today. Uh, not that there is anything else to talk about, though. <laughs> uh, but we can quickly mention Chris Jericho's podcast this week, where he recounts the story of the stolen belt. Uh, obviously, after he won at the first AW pay per view, he beat Adam Page and won the belt. He went uh, famously to a Longhorns Steakhouse uh, where the belt went missing. He recounts the experience, and it's very clear that some shenanigans went on with this belt, and we still don't entirely know what happened to it. Uh, it could all be a work, and they could have just replaced the belt, but if you what? listen to him. Why would it be a work? That's, well, to say face, because at a certain point, like, this story gets embarrassing for him. Uh, so, by his own account, he was going to go between one of two shitty steakhouses, and the driver's like, ooh, let's go to this one. Chris Jericho forgot his bag at the airport, not the one containing the belt, as far as I know, his actual bag. He took the wrong bag off the carousel, so he sent the limo driver, who's in an SUV limo, back to the terminal to get his proper bag and drop off the wrong bag and come back. That driver then came in and asked Chris Jericho to confirm his address, leaving the truck unlocked as he came in to talk to Chris Jericho, which already is a little bit sub-subject. Uh, when he went back to the truck, he came back in after that, and he's like, uh, yeah, your belt is gone. Uh, his belt, which was in a bag, a nondescript bag, so someone would have to rifle through it to even know what was in it. Uh, and then flowers Chris Jericho had bought for his wife that were in the trunk were now in the back seat. So whoever stole this uh, was rummaging for quite a while through this truck, and obviously uh, Chris Jericho has... He has no other thing to believe other than this limo driver was in cahoots with somebody else, blah, blah, blah. Like, Tony Khan had an FBI detective working on finding this belt, and no one could find anything until suddenly a guy who was, like, shucking clams on the on the beach was driving down the highway and saw the bag on the side of the highway, thought he'd stop uh, and pick up this nondescript bag, didn't look inside, got home and saw that it was a championship belt, his wife went on eBay to find replica AEW championships. Of course, this was within a week of this thing being announced, so that didn't exist. Uh, and then Chris Jericho didn't know his belt was found until he saw on Twitter that the cops from uh, Tallahassee or whatever were wearing his belt and taking pictures of it online. He had not been notified that his belt had been found at that point. Uh, the guy who owns the limo service was at the police station and filmed the second that the guy who found the belt on the side of the highway walked in and gave him a $200 reward, and they were all posting pictures with this belt. Chris Jericho, at this point, not notified that his belt has been found. I don't know what the fuck happened with this belt, man, uh, but if you want to hear Chris Jericho recount the story itself, uh, you can go check out his podcast, and it's just him talking at you, uh, and it was worth a listen. Uh, it was quite interesting and uh, and such. Anyways... Can we talk about Eric Rowan's fake spider really quickly? Okay. okay. Uh, so, Eric Rowan, you're only allowing this because he's the ultimate boy. Uh, Eric <laughs> Rowan has had this, boy. this burlap sack-covered cage on Raw for the past... Three months. It has to have been three... It's like, since before Christmas, this guy's had this cage. 
and he's put people's face in the cage. And they he's come put their out bleeding. Yeah, he's put their hands in the cage. They, and they, they can't bent. believe what they saw. Yeah, people have seen the inside. And they're they're horrified. Uh, well, on this week's Raw, Eric Rowan shows uh, No Way Jose's Who just line. asked, and Eric's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no one had asked Like, yet. there's no build-up to this at uh, all. They weren't going to like be like, next week on Raw, Eric reveals what's in the cage. Giant, fake, party supply spider. Yes. Uh, now, see, I'm thinking that what's in the cage, and even who takes it out, is actually the manifestation of whoever's looking at its greatest fear. Okay, so it's like the the thing we in the Harry We all Potter. just happen to be really scared of spiders. Of spiders. <laughs> I don't feel I am particularly scared of spiders. I'm uh, afraid of well, hokey, shitty wrestling angles that go on for three months and see, pay that's off with why a fake it was anima- spider. that's why it was animatronic yeah. for it. It had to be the most I embarrassing thing. I saw real thing. spiderly. Uh, what... But now, but now begs the question: What could have been in the cage that would have been cool? Do you think they thought that far ahead? <laughs> no, I no. don't. He's going to reveal what it is. What is it? A big fake spider. It moves That's a little. A spider. If he waves it around fast, no one will know it's not a fake spider. Only Vince McMahon. That spiders that large don't exist, and therefore it's a fake so, spider. The second he pulls. Did you, did you hear what? It, so I, this has nothing really to do with the spider, but Vince, I'm only talking about the spider right now. But Vince is getting pretty cold on Shayna. Baszler for the WrestleMania match in, in the middle of this build. Yes, does that mean Oscar gets put back in? Well, that's the thing because Oscar's challenged Becky now twice for the belt and lost clean twice. You can't do her again, and everybody else. Uh, sure, you can. And everybody else that's <laughs> everybody else that's in the Roman order. Reigns has challenged Brock Lesnar every year for six years. Let me finish. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Um, and every other girl that's in the Elimination Chamber match for the Becky match of Mania is just like they've never been pushed to that. It's Liv Morgan, Sarah Logan, and Ruby Riot. Like they, they're not no, at that fucking yeah. level. They're filling in the rest of the cages. Yeah, yeah. So you're literally left with Shayna, but apparently, like, and anybody that's watched NXT, I don't think this is any surprise to him. Shayna is a very slow, methodical wrestler. Catch right. as catch can, as they say, which isn't exactly what some people will call exciting wrestling style. Um, so this is the surprise compared, of nobody. But as compared to what, you know what I mean? Like Randy Orton is that. Yeah, but Randy Orson has the RKO, has the Draping DDT. Like, he does some acro... I don't want to say acrobatic, but he does some exciting stuff. Shayna has, like, a suplex. But besides that, she's, like, a, she's like twists limbs and stuff like that. To a guy like Vince, he's just like, that's that's not what he wants, I think. Okay. So it's going to be very interesting. And meanwhile, he has Charlotte fighting someone for the NXT Championship. Sure. But it's, it's just going to... But they... Wrestle like wrestlers. Yeah, like they—they're very WWE style. <laughs> no, what do you want me to fucking say here? Like, yeah. nobody wrestles like Shayna. Like Daniel Bryan sometimes, but even Daniel Bryan has drop kicks and shit like that. Sure. Like, so you're, sh- but you're saying that is what it is rumored Vince is losing, not the character or the person. No, it's but just in fact the wrestling style. Yeah, it's just he. Even he thinks it's too boring. I guess. Wow. To put it simply. But the giant fake spider. <laughs> so, like, at this point, I'm like, well, f- fuck, maybe Vince actually is going to turn her into a vampire. <laughs> vampire. <laughs> I'm turning into a vampire. Vampire. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, so I don't watch NXT uh, at all, outside of maybe the, the odd takeover. So Shayna Baszler, to me, is literally just the person who bit Becky's neck. Well, let me let me put it simply. Like, uh, Shayna was the NXT Women's Champion for a long time, and not once during her reign did anybody go, she should be main eventing. As opposed to someone like Oscar, when she was champion, people were like, Oscar should be main event. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what... Okay. So the the question then becomes, there's plenty of girls in the WWE right now but there's that nothing. came up from NXT uh, that weren't immediately catapulted into the title picture. 
why was Shayna? Why was it assumed uh, Shayna's debut? Uh, because she's MMA. She comes from MMA. So is it Vince just because just like, like Vince is just like yes? Because Rousey's busy. This is this was the I, I yeah okay. Well, and there, there's probably a lot of it has to do with Triple H. Yeah, Triple H. Triple H. Um, <laughs> just being like Shayna's really good. Like you should push her and stuff like that. I miss like Triple H is obviously a big fan of her wrestling style. I I like her wrestling style. I like sure. it. It's something different, but. For a casual audience at WrestleMania, I can kind of understand why Vince has his apprehensions because it's not a WrestleMania style of wrestling. Well, Vince has got so as of right now, we don't know what's happening by the end of this quarter. But on that call that keeps getting brought up uh, is that Vince might be shopping WrestleMania around uh, to an ESPN Plus or something like that instead of putting it on the network. Uh, and that is the reason why the Fiend dropped the belt to Goldberg, etc., to set up some bigger marquee matches. If you're going to charge seventy bucks for this thing, right? So the Shayna Baszler thing might be the same, the same thing. Yeah, he maybe wants they do. More, he wants something more grandiose. Like maybe he does find a way to pay Ronda Rousey enough money for one match. Yeah, make it and like fuck, a two week build up, it, right? Make it a triple. Triple, triple H. <laughs> no, fucking have Oscar beat Shayna or some shit, and then put Shayna. Asuka and Becky in a triple threat. I mean, you're right. There's, there's ways around it. And yeah. they've done it before. They've done three ladies in the, the title picture for, for yeah. Mania before, too. So, so whatever. Who gives a shit? Let's talk about AEW. Yeah. How, uh, let's uh, a quick F in the chat for Ricochet. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. Loses, goes from fighting Brock Lesnar to four days later fighting... It's, uh, it's a fucking Ro- cold... Was it? Roderick... What's his name? Today is a cold day... What? Roderick Strong? No. The, who's the current 24-7 champion? Oh, uh, Riddick, Riddick Moss. Moss. <laughs> no, so... Not only, yeah, not only to Riddick... He wishes he was fighting Roderick, Roderick Moss. He yeah. also fucking... Yeah, so he lost to Brock in under, like, two minutes. Yeah, at, a squash, which was expected. Did not get any offense in. No. And then fucking lost to Riddick Moss for the 24-7 champion. Yeah. Mojo Rawley has been a 24-7 yeah. champion. Our truth has been the 24-7 champion at least a dozen times. Rick, uh, it's a, it is a cold day in hell now that Ricochet, of all people, is a boy. <laughs> Let's uh, let's rinse that from our minds. Let's talk about AEW Revolution. 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 Uh, what was the OSW meme that was like, Revolution? <laughs> it's just a guy saying revolution in multiple ways. <laughs> That's all there needs to be. First of all, bad name for a pay-per-view. It's, revolution? It's, it's a bad name for a pay-per-view. It's whatever. It could have been anything. It's whatever. Fuck, fuck. fuck you. Fuck what, what are they going to call it? AEW fucking rip and tear? <laughs> oh hell yeah! I'd watch. They got shit. blood and guts coming <laughs> up. So, <laughs> first up, we had Dark Order and SCU. Evil Uno clothesline from behind, allowing Stu Grayson to score the pin. A fairly mid-level tag match by AEW standards, according to this recap. Um, so this was the buy-in match. This was before the, yeah, the proper pay per view started. This was fine. It's exactly what it needed to be. There was a hooded... Well, Cole Cabana uh, made his debut in this match, uh, running in to save SCU. There was a hooded figure on the ramp that ended up being Christopher Daniels, which more or less quashed the Christopher Daniels as the Exalted One, which they can now do because the actual Exalted One should be debuting any week. And it should be Matt Hardy, in my opinion. Yeah, he like, likes hokey bullshit gimmicks. No, and, and, and Dark Order <laughs> keeps losing to the point that we can't take him seriously, so fuck it. Give him... Give well, him, they won this match. Have a goofy leader. Like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. But we don't see him on TV winning often. So give him a goofy leader. Who gives a shit? We... I think the Dark Order is better off not taking themselves as seriously, and Matt Hardy is the answer for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because now we do have multiple heel stables. Even as of this past week on Dynamite, we have another one. Uh, so having one that's a little more, 
not comedy, but having one that's a little goofier, uh, like a Blade and Butcher, as, as it were, yes. uh, would be... It's a shame Blade and Butcher welcome. were on this card. What do you, what do we feel about Colt Cabana? Um, well, this I'm, was in Chicago, which is his Yeah, home, I'm very uh, familiar with Cole Cabana from Ring of Honor, and uh, he was briefly in NWA Power. Power? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fine. <laughs> right, cool. He had a match on uh, on Dynamite as well, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, we had Jake Hagar and Dustin Rhodes. I did not fucking like this match at all. <laughs> uh, this may have been the... I'm trying to... No, wait. Other than the women's match. Uh, this was the weakest match of the night. I wasn't really... I guess I shouldn't say I should, I wasn't expecting a fucking five-star match here. No. What I think it should have been was... This was a competitive match in the sense I that, I would have booked this as a squash. Yeah. I would yeah. have had Jake Hager squash this fucking guy yeah. in like two minutes. But they... For what the match was, it was fine. Dustin Rhodes got some offense and Jake Hager, of course... Uh, ends up getting choking him out with a submission. Uh, there's a spot where uh, Dustin Rhodes kisses Jake Hagar's wife. Um, eh. Yeah, whatever. Eh. Was... Some people get, that rubbed them the wrong way. It's like, dude, it's fucking pro wrestling. It's Dustin Rhodes. You, like, if this... Dustin Rhodes can't kiss a woman at ringside, that's not. His well, life. and then it, like, I get that in kayfabe, it's it's not a consensual kiss. But <laughs> guess what? Wrestling's fucking fake. Yeah, it's... and backstage, get, he didn't do it without letting yeah, her know there first. Was, there was yeah. <laughs> Yes, there was agreement here. Do you watch a movie and you're just like, they're kissing? Did he? Did he ask her? Did he make sure that it's okay? Uh, <laughs> sure, it's all right. Uh, yeah, so that was a match. Uh, speaking of a match, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara was excellent. This should have been the opener. And started the way the Cody Rhodes and uh, MGF match should have started. And we'll get to that. Darby <laughs> coming down the, the ramp, barely getting in the ring, and then fucking flinging himself outside of the ring to hit Sammy Guevara. Yeah, no, this was a uh, very fun match. These. These are two smaller, very athletic young guys yes. who are going to be very... Breakneck pace. Who are going to be, I shouldn't say huge stars in wrestling, because... They will be, in the context of AEW. In the context of yeah. AEW, they're going to be huge stars, I think. Especially Darby, he's almost already there, actually. Um, yeah, this is a very fun match. Very athletic. Uh, very dangerous. That spot yes. where Sammy does the 630 off the apron. Through a table. But he does a little bit of an extra rotation. Well, like, they, so there was... Uh, there was Pac doing the Black Arrow through the table on Kenny on Dynamite, and then Sammy Guevara's like, hold my beer, because this was fucking he went way like, more dangerous. He went like rib into, like side of his <laughs> ribs on... into Darby's rib. It looked painful. Uh, he's, I mean, but Sammy's on Dynamite doing all this stuff anyway, so it didn't injure himself. Good for yeah. him. Uh, hopefully both guys are safe. They were both working on Wednesday, so fucking crazy uh, match. Loved it. And uh, Alan Coffin scores drop. the win with the Coffin Drop, yeah. Yeah, Coffin Drop off the top rope. He did one off the... Didn't he do one, or was that Dynamite? He did one in, to the outside. That, he did that on Dynamite, I think, yeah. twice or something. Well, he knocked out the entire inner circle with a coffin drop. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, great match. <laughs> well, speaking of great we've, matches. We've come to uh, the greatest match, uh, being AEW Tag Team Championship, Hangman Adam Page, Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks. Fuck me, what a match. Where do you even start? With a match like this. Uh, so if you didn't know anything about this match going in, they told a story in 30 minutes that anyone could follow and, and de- definitively say. Was yeah, so you could have been matches. following the storyline between these four men, like, for the last... They retold it in the ring. Yeah, or yeah. you could just have no idea of it and they tell you everything you need to know. Not The commentators telling you everything you need to know before. The video right. package was very so easy to follow. Well, we didn't get a clear-cut turn, as me and you were expecting... Uh, what we did get was the blurring of the lines between a professional match between friends and, and personal. really personal moments in this, uh, including... And I people. almost like that better than a definitive turn. 
Yes, because well, you can keep this yeah, simmering. Real, yeah. right, I guess you could say, well, this is wrestling, but real people don't just like turn like right. that. Yeah. Um, it's it's a gradual buildup, and I think this is on the higher end of that buildup, and soon it will culminate. But yeah, this is... What's interesting about pro wrestling is you can uh, beat the living shit out of someone for 30 minutes, and that's not a turn. But if you do it after the bell has rung, then it's a turn. Yeah. So uh, if you've been following our Public Way podcast, check it out on Wednesdays. Oh, my God. Um, we did a four-part series on Near Automata. And I feel like we could do a four-part series on this goddamn, <laughs> this fucking on this goddamn tag match because uh, that's fucking great. I'm just going to read this recap verbatim and then we can we can drill in on certain sure. parts here. Uh, things got heated between the elite members during the match with Paige spitting in Matt Jackson's face and also getting aggressive with Omega. The Bucks seemed to have enough of Paige's nonsense early on, which eventually turned into the brothers getting progressively more aggressive toward Omega. As things got more heated, the Bucks ended up hitting Paige with an indie taker on the entrance ramp. With Paige out of the picture after the big move, the Bucks laid into Omega with super kicks before hitting the golden trigger. Let's stop and talk about this. They have Omega on his knees and they set him up for Omega Omega one part of the Golden Lovers tag team. And the Ibushi tag team. And they hit him with their finishing with move. The golden trigger. And Kenny kicks out at one. Because he's just and like I fucking popped oh off. Oh my god, I fucking <laughs> lost it. To to hit a guy with his own move after there's been so many near falls for him to kick out Especially at one. Especially with the story that Ibushi and Kenny have. Yes. Where it's just Which another simmering thing that's just on a back burner yeah, somewhere. And it's just in case that it's ever a happens. really easy way to convey don't you ever fucking bring up that tag team to Kenny because yeah. It's more than a professional tag team. The, the kickout at one says that to a Mark fan, but to anyone who's just watching this match and has no idea who any of these people are, it's it's a totally. It still reads as just like well, and the commentary. Man, they thought they over. finished this guy off. He yeah. kicks out at one. This shit still goes on for another fifty. Yeah, minutes. Uh, Jesus Christ! Omega <laughs> kicked out, uh, and Matt began working over Omega's injured soldier. Uh, sold soldier shoulder. Jesus. Shoulder. Lost it. Uh, before, Nick stepped in and told his brother to calm down and attacking their friend. Uh, as part where Matt's like looking at the tape in his hands and he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm a monster. I'm going to fuck this guy up. Uh, Paige made his way back into the match, uh, driving Nick through a table and hit the buckshot V-trigger combination for the near fall. Oh, Paige, I fucking lost it at that near fall, man. Uh, yes, the the part where, uh, he, well, he's on the apron, right? And then that's when Paige re-enters the match, uh, takes some power bombs through the table. It was also a big pop. Uh, in the Lee household. Uh, Paige, where am I here? Uh, Paige hits the one-wing angel after a injured uh, shoulder of Omega is unable to get it done, uh, which was also a fucking great spot. Awesome. <laughs> uh, another near fall as uh, the other buck and breaks then, it up. Uh, I don't know if it's going to say in your... Uh description here but hangman also imitates the very well-known marty skrull who's now head booker of ring of honor but also the old elite member so he did the awesome 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 marty skull spot of psyching you out from up high so that you can take you at the knee with a low kick yeah. and then uh once you get in front of him does a spin arms out chicken wing into the submission so nice little callback to their fellow elite member who is in another company. It's it's worth saying that in 30 minutes, uh, you don't see the same thing twice except for maybe super kicks and some finishers. Yeah. Uh, but it's a fucking Young Bucks match. <laughs> uh, so, he then hits uh, Buckshot Lariats on both to score the pin and retain the titles. Very much showing that Hangman Page is the reason they won this match, even though Kenny Omega 
fucking hung in there for him. Uh, in between excellent tag wrestling, the story of the building tensions between the four friends weaved uh, through the contest elevated the match considerably. All four men were in great form, delivering a match uh, with a ton of intrigue and nearly perfectly executed wrestling from start to finish. Yeah, so to put it simply, I, what I like to think about the match anyway, so Kenny and Hangman, Hangman is more of the heel and Kenny is more of a face in the sense that he's trying to keep a balance between his partner and the other tag team. Yeah. Just like that, Matt and Nick, Nick is like Kenny. He's trying to keep a balance between the teams yeah. and trying to play mediator. While and Matt is the one game. Whereas game. Matt called Adam Page a jobber. So yeah. that's that's all you need to and know. No, Nick's the one yeah. that called him a jobber. Oh, really? Yeah, but yeah. no, in the match, Nick yeah. is trying to. Nick's the one that told Matt to calm down. He's the one that's like trying to mediate. Matt's the one that's getting emotional about it. So what I like to think about this match is Kenny and Nick are kind of neutral in this. Matt and Hangman are both kind of leaning more towards the heel by the end of it. But Matt, since they're going to stay babyface, does realize at some point that I'm going too far and he has to bring it back. Yeah. So he goes back to the babyface side. Well, Hangman keeps getting more and more frustrated, keeps going into more of that face, uh, that heel side. But doesn't go all the way yet. No. Fucking loved it. And, right. and coming out of this... Uh, Hangman, I mean, we'll talk about Dynamite and stuff like that, but there is no reason to do a full heel turn with Hangman no, at all. No, they shouldn't. What uh, they should do is he should be in that Moxley kind of status yes. where he's not a heel or Somewhere a between Adam Page and John Moxley yeah, is Mo- Stone Cold Steve yeah, Austin. Moxley is obviously <laughs> a face just like Stone Cold was a face, but they have that, and I'm not going to say that oh, Moxley's the next Stone Cold. No one will ever be the next no. Stone Cold. Adam Page is closer than Moxley, in my opinion. Yeah, but no one's ever going to be Stone Cold. No one's ever going to fucking... Becky Lynch. Change the, the man. Yeah, she's Stone Cold. <laughs> she's going to change the business as their ratings continue to fucking <laughs> drop. Um, yeah, so I think Hangman can definitely occupy that space that like a Moxley and a Darby Allen is in, whereas they're definitely a face, but they're like... They're not going to fucking give that, hugs and yeah. high fives to everybody else. And that's fucking fine. That's perfect. Also, yeah. you can turn on baby faces and stay a baby face yourself. Yeah. I just like, want to make that Mox, very clear. Yeah, if Moxley had a tag match with Kenny against uh, Blade and Butcher, beat them, and then Moxley gave a dirty uh, a paradigm shift, sorry, to Kenny, yeah. no one would be like, oh, he turned heel. No, they'd right. be like, that's just... Yeah, yes. It doesn't have to be black and white yeah. if it's done properly. Mm-hmm. And this was the perfect example of that. The best tag match I've ever watched. Yeah, best tag match I've ever watched. Yeah. It's uh you're you're like buzzing after it's done, and then you get a little bit of a little flavor uh after the little chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, after the match is over where uh Kenny eventually reluctantly gets to his feet, accepts the the handshake of the young bucks, say hey, good match, you know, fucking you guys did it. Uh, Hangman Page wants nothing to fucking do with that. He wants to leave. Uh, there's a moment when Kenny has his bag back turned, and Hangman Page is holding on to the rope, and you and see it him. Looks like he's you see go him for tense up, shot. like he's going to go for the buckshot and do a turn. Uh, but then, as Kenny turns and sees him, he opens the rope and very awkwardly beckons for Kenny to follow him. Yeah, it's uh, almost like Hangman was thinking, "I did all the fucking work there. I won the match. Yeah. Kenny didn't do shit." But then, he- or the fact that Kenny went to the Bucks before he went yes, to Page himself. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then as they're on the ramp, though, they, they do a love headbutt. Uh, we fucking did it, boy. Uh, yeah, and it, and it's little, what happens yeah, next? It's a little yeah. moment where Hangman knows that like Kenny isn't appreciative of Hangman as he thinks he is. But yeah. Hangman knows that if he fucks up his partner, he's not going to be tag champion anymore. And in the context of AEW, being tag champ's a big fucking deal. Because the, the only belt other than the main one. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. It's not like yes, keep fucking Reagan on WWE. And, and go back, like Hangman Page was at a very low point after losing to Chris Jericho uh, for the belt initially. 
Uh, and also, John Moxley on Dynamite called it a belt like 38 times, and that has to be on purpose. Anyway, uh, Hangman Page was at a low point. Said, "What are we going to do with this guy? What what is the what is the solution to this guy?" Around the time when uh, we were told that he had left the elite <laughs> initially, and man, has this guy 180 uh, from that situation. Kiss. Speaking of matches, uh, we have the <laughs> AEW Women's Championship, and I feel bad because like it was very clear that they wanted to have. A, a brief, albeit good match. And yeah. There was a, just a series of miscommunications, some botching, uh, and then ultimately the fact that Statlander as a gimmick is I fucking hate is it. awful. I fucking um, hate it, dude. As a wrestler, maybe she's fine, but it's very hard to look past that, especially on commentary. They get, what are they going to say? Yeah, uh, like it's it's not tongue in cheek and goofy like Orange Cassidy and Luchasaurus. It's Right, it's fucking stupid. It's not vindicated in a way that Orange Cassidy is now. Yeah. That you now that people who maybe or, yeah, and it's yeah. not totally tongue in cheek. And Luchasaurus is just as in on it as you are in regards yes. to his gimmick. Statlander's like, I'm an alien. I'm not going to do anything to reinforce that. Yeah, I'm just going to say I'm an alien. Lu- Luchasaurus is a re- is a dinosaur in the context of this is my gimmick. I'm a dinosaur. Yeah, and then but he also goes on the <laughs> so, then he also goes on the mic and he cuts a promo and he says I'm a Harvard graduate and yeah. I have a law degree and like I'm very articulate. And right. You're like, yeah, that's fucking. You're that just, adds. Yeah. That adds to it that he when he decided and, to and become you a hear wrestler. That in the commentary because Jim Ross has no fucking problem with that. Yeah. As soon as Statlander comes out, Jim Ross. Just Jim like, Ross understands a guy pretending to be a thing but not being the thing. Yeah. He can't get it through his head that this person's an alien. That's just you have to sell it. And Jim Ross is not going to fucking do that, no, and nor should he. Having none of that. Uh, so there's uh, not really anything to talk about in this match. Just a bunch of botches. Yeah. Blech. Uh, superplex attempt uh, from Statlander that could have gone horribly wrong uh, in this match as well. Uh, very dangerous thing. And then uh, there was also uh, Nyla had her legs on the wrong side of the the arena, the, the ring, as it were, for a beast bomb. I think at the end, right? Yeah, I think uh, AEW, that also could have gone really bad. I think AEW needs to take a big step back and reevaluate their women's division, and just something else needs to happen because there's well, no excitement, there's no anticipation with any of these matches ever. Yeah, there's uh, it's it's easily always the weakest part of the show. Always. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna let you go off on this, but let's just get some things out of the way yeah. first. MGF and Cody, which uh, other than Moxley and uh, you could argue that this had more build was maybe the most anticipated match yeah. of this pay per view heading into it before you knew anything about how good that take match yeah. was gonna. They've be. been building us up since uh, the beginning of AEW. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have Cody comes out. And as we talked about, and as you're about to rant about, uh, an overbooked match Fuck from start to finish, match. which Cody Rhodes matches tend to be, but this was in on the bad yeah. side of the Spoilers, history. I fucking hate this match and everything that yeah. involved in it. So first of all, instead of it being a blood feud, which it absolutely should be at this point. It is a blood feud. Uh, well, you couldn't tell by this match. I know. Uh, Cody has the band that plays his theme song out on stage. And they're awful live. And then he comes out. He has and a then neck Cody tattoo. comes out. Not only is he with a posse of like eight people. Five managers. Five fucking managers. Uh, he has a neck tattoo. It's, There's a lot to take in the first five. So we're ready for Cody to rip into MJF. MJF comes out and he looks like he has 20 cans of spray but, but he's a him. shit heel and that's fine. Sure. But yeah. at a certain that's point. That's not distracting certain, to me. No, it distracted me. Okay. I was like, this is... But, like, I figured that MJF as a character would have spray-tanned the fuck out of himself. Sure, but it looks so 
but the, bad. Okay, I'm 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 on the camp of more spray tan, Graham no, GM. I, I uh, let's have him come out here like full gangrew girl, uh, looking like real messed up. But this between this this neck tattoo. So first of all, you're distracted by the neck tattoo because you're like, is that fake? And then what the band the shit. This guy's got fucking. And then before you can even cons- like fully process a neck tattoo on a guy who has no other tattoos and is the biggest white meat baby face of the last ten years, uh, maybe like a who else is there? In, anyways, mm-hmm. uh, this band it's is like Daniel, just... It's like Daniel Bryan getting a fucking forehead tattoo. <laughs> like, Whoa, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Yeah. Uh, so he comes down to the ring. He's doing the charging up the crowd thing. He's doing it as if it was any Cody Rhodes match, except he has Stephen ML and QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes, uh, Dustin Randy Rhodes, Arn Anderson. Anderson. He's got a fucking crowd of people coming down to the ring. Uh, so already I'm out of it. Like already, like yeah. before this match begins between the band, the neck tattoo, all the managers. I'm like, no, this is not. This is not right. Yeah, and then uh, so they begin the match. You, you go ahead because you okay. you have a lot to say. So in this match, right when it starts, first thing they do is MJF rolls out of the ring to get cheap heat because he's not going to the ring because he's a coward. This is great if it was any other fucking match on a dynamite or anything like that. But this is a fucking blood feud. Here's how I would have booked the match, and I hate to do fantasy booking, but this it's is... not really fantasy booking if it's the most obvious yeah, booking. Yeah, so here's here's how I change it. No managers, no ban for Cody. Cody comes yeah, out... no fu- shit. Cody comes <laughs> out fucking by himself, maybe with Arn to even out Ward, though. That's it. Someone talks Cody out of the neck tattoo two days two days. <laughs> yes. Cody does not pump up the crowd or do his usual stick of Sorry. raising his arms and being like, yeah, come on. No. This dude is laser focused. His eyes are not coming off MJF. He fucking briskly walks to the ring. It's not a run. It's not a jog. Right. But he's walking with a purpose to the ring. Gets in the ring. He stares at daggers and to MJF the whole time. He doesn't even fucking move. MJF has to show a little bit of fear here. A little bit of, oh shit, maybe I barked up the wrong tree. Match starts. Cody pounces on him. Beats this shit out for five minutes. At some point, MJF low blows him. Begs for the ring from Wardlow. Gets the ring. Cody pries the ring out of MJF's fingers, but ref turns around, and now it looks like Cody just fucking socked MJF, because MJF can do the Eddie Guerrero, like, oh, I just got hit, even though I didn't. And then, boom, get your first DQ in AEW. Yeah. Cody's- even though they had just done the first DQ yeah. on a Dynamite. But that yes. didn't really count, because that was in an Iron Man match. So yes, didn't end the, the first match. DQ should have been this. You're yeah. absolutely right. And then MJF wins. Or the second DQ. Yeah, MJF matter. wins by DQ, because he's a shit heel, but he got his ass kicked. Cody's still searing mad. He's not disappointed himself anymore that he lost. He's just angry that MJF fucking cheated. Yeah. And we got rid of all that. That's like 20 minutes off that goddamn match. Would have would have helped the pace of the pay-per-view. It would have helped Cody and MJF. And I think it's just far superior to what yeah. actually happened. Uh, and then there's a bunch of contrary spots in this. Like MJF getting the belt off Cody. Cody getting the belt back. And then whipping MJF in front of the ref. And then MJF gets the ring. And then Cody gets MJF the ring. MJF gets the ring out of his own shorts. Socks Cody. And then throws the ring away to Wardlow. Yeah, and then Wardlow and Arn Anderson have to get into it. Yeah. And Brandy has to get into it. And it's just... It's way too much. This is a blood feud. It should have been Cody pissed, laser focused the whole time. Yeah. If you need to do something with Wardlow at ringside uh, and then have him ejected from the match as as an overbooking angle, yeah, fucking sure. Yeah. What we got instead was a slightly more aggressive than normal match. Yeah. Where it was very I wouldn't boring. even have had him come down the ramp. I would have had the music play and MJF's like, where the fuck is this guy? And Cody jumps Wardlow at the beginning of the match and lays him out. And yeah. then, the, then and just goes after MJF. And fucking daggers at yeah. MJF. Like, yes. It didn't feel like Cody's only... It felt like Cody wanted to win, not hurt MJF. 
Yeah. Where in a blood feud, you want to hurt the other yeah, person. The classic WWE of uh, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. Oh, I'm going to fuck, fuck your, your wife, wife and kill your children. And then they lock up. And they lock up with me. Yeah, brother. lock up with me, bro. Like, I hate that <laughs> shit. I hate that shit. If it's a blood feud, winning and losing at that point doesn't matter. It's all yeah. about inflicting pain on the other person. Yes, from a booking point of view, this may have been the worst match of the night. Yeah, I know. I didn't from know. an anticipation of what, yeah, how simple this yeah, could have been, as opposed to the build, yeah. which is great. The fucking cage match with Ward though was great. It showed Cody's character, and then this match was just a fucking wet fart when you're expecting a big shit. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah, oh, shit. yeah uh, disappointing from start to finish in this one. Uh, didn't live up to expectations. That was my rant. <laughs> yeah, from from go though. Like, never mind the match. From the fucking second Cody Rhodes's entrance happened, like I said, neck tattoo, band, huge group of managers firing up the crowd. No, you. This is not right. This is not correct. Go back. Why do you care what the crowd thinks when all you want to do is kill MJ? Exactly right. Yeah. Like, why do you care what the crowd thinks? Yes. Stop it. Yep. Makes you look like an idiot. Yep. Uh... Yeah, and then like the the continuing to do the tension thing with Arn Anderson. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I really don't care if Arn Anderson's going to turn on this guy. That would be awful. Yeah, there's like, a time and place for ego in yeah. wrestling, and Cody like has one, and it's a good thing. He should have an ego because he's fucking great, and he has yeah. lots of things going for him. But you you don't need the grand dose entrance. You don't need all the fanfare no. on every single pay per view. This was not the time for that at yep. all. Yep. Yep. Uh, so bringing it back around something that I think we all knew was going to be great, but we didn't know to what extent. Uh, Pac and Orange Cassidy. This was fun. It was a fucking excellent match. This is fun as fuck. Uh, I mean, you have to kind of be in on the Orange Cassidy thing. Some people are just staunchly against it. Now, to be fair to Orange Cassidy, he did not do his shtick nearly as much as a typical Orange Cassidy match, which hasn't taken place in AEW. So if you've jumped on YouTube and you've seen an Orange Cassidy indie match, uh, usually it's 50-50. The first half, he's he's taken a beating. He's doing the whole uh, sloth gimmick. Uh, and then he turns it on at the end. Yeah. This was a little more... He was doing it, catch as catch can, as it were, like a Shayna Baszler. He was doing it where it made sense. Uh, and then the flip side of that is that Pac does not take him seriously until he does. Until he has to. And then he has like a weird respect for him by the end of this match. And yeah, then, so and, like and they open up. up and they're about to lock up, but uh, Orange does the pockets thing. Yeah. Pac denies him, so Orange gives him uh, like a flipping arm drag. Yeah. Gimmick and Pac right away is just like what Whoa, the this guy can what, do what a the move. fuck was that yeah uh, there was yeah so Orange Cassidy has a wealth of wrestling moves uh, in his arsenal and is good at doing them Orange Cassidy did the best Superman punch I've seen in six years looking at you Roman Reigns how the fuck can't you make it look as good as this uh, anyways so you have uh, you have Orange Cassidy you have a moment where he's laid out in the center of the ring and he starts rolling back and forth to dodge uh, so, the black arrow yeah so Pac pa- can't black arrow him and so Pac a- goes outside the ring to pull him out Orange Cassidy slowly rolls over to him and just like gives him this big smile and Pac no, smiles back at you him you could tell that wasn't even a purpose on smile that was yeah. Orange realizing how fucking ridiculous <laughs> what he was doing was and he just started and the crowd loves it yeah. uh, but but it also is it's in storyline of the match uh, this is a guy who... It's not that he doesn't take wrestling seriously. Maybe he takes it the most seriously. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a game. Okay, what I think about Orange Cassidy, and there's no nothing to back this up. This is just my head headcanon on his, on his origins. He was yeah. just a regular wrestler on the indies, killing himself, trying to get over <laughs> every night, until some one old veteran wrestler is like, kid, you got less is more. Yeah. And Orange Cassidy took like a yeah. good, hard look at himself, and is like, 
What if I literally did fucking nothing until I did something? Yeah. And then he misdirection. Came up, he came Subvert up with his gimmick, and his wrestling ability is still there, but it's amplified by his fucking amazing gimmick. Cassidy got to show off the uh, more complete picture of what he's capable of, uh, but Pac is simply a more dangerous man, as shown by his forcing Cassidy to tap and refusing to let go of the hold until Cassidy was asleep. Uh, wins with the Brutalizer. So, I love this match. I like both these guys. Pox, fantastic. Orange yeah. Cassidy. Uh, I'm all in on Orange Cassidy. Hell yeah, guys. baby. He's got one of like the best-selling shirts now for them or something like that. I'm like, you know, the, here's a gimmick that in how many years of pro wrestling... You know, Brock's got his gimmick where his gimmick is he doesn't wrestle. Orange Cassidy's gimmick is he doesn't wrestle in a wrestling match, which I think is <laughs> even more interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then we had the AEW Championship match. John Moxley and Chris yeah. Jericho. Chris Jericho uh, has a choir uh, group, a singer, sure. a cappella group, uh, sing his intro. Which and this, was, see, this makes and this and it, and it was good. <laughs> this and this makes sense as opposed to Cody because Chris Jericho is a very conceited. His gimmick selfish, is he's a delusional champion. He's a delusional yeah, he's champion. Overall of it, so yeah. even though he's afraid of Moxley, it's not going to be like I still have to keep appearances. I'm going to have this fucking ridiculous entrance. Whereas Moxley, a no nonsense guy, just walks uh, into the ring. Walks into the yeah. ring like he always does. Yeah. Uh, so Dr- Jericho tried to use, use every trick in his veteran playbook to sneak out a win, including interference from Santana and Ortiz, who had accompanied him to the ring, as well as Jake Hagar, who ran in uh, to make a save mid-match, which is not allowed, by the way. Uh, when they were ejected from ringside, Sammy Guevara ran in to deliver a shot with the title belt, but Moxley kicked out uh, the ensuing pin. Moxley finally removed his eye patch, uh, revealing that he could see the whole time. Or at least from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jericho was out of options and fell to Moxley's paradigm shift as the second ever AEW champion was crowned. Uh, he Hey, what the fuck? Huh? <laughs> the part where he's doing the promo after. So Moxley does a promo hey. after he oh, wins. Yeah, they start playing his music. Yeah, hey, he goes, what hey, what the fuck? The fuck? Yeah. Uh, I always laugh at John Moxley because he reminds me of a cousin of mine. Uh, like in his demeanor, his voice. Kind of like a, a, a gruff... A scruff McGruff, as it were. Uh, so I, anytime John Moxie's on the microphone, I'm like, this just sounds like a, a drunk promo from my cousin of mine. <laughs> uh, so I like him for that. But yeah, fine match. Yeah. Everything it needed to be. Uh, they had very much what I would call a WWE match, except they were able to add a little more storytelling, uh, do some more combinations and moves that you would not see in a WWE yeah, match. It's exactly the kind of match I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I think Moxie matches will be a lot more exciting when he has other competitors for the title such as Kenny Omega um, Hangman maybe not MJF I wouldn't put MJF in in a title I guess he beat Cody eh? yeah so what happens now what happens when the wrestling makes sense Reed yeah I don't know but Uh, uh, yeah you know it it was exactly what it needed to be it was a pretty good match all things considered and as Dynamite shows you the belt is not what makes Chris Jericho Le Champion. No. Chris Jericho is still Le Champion, belt or no. And we're going to talk about that, right? Yeah. Right meow. <laughs> right meow. Uh, so, AEW Dynamite from Broomfield, Colorado, baby. Uh, starts out with Justin Roberts uh, inviting the new champion, John Moxley, uh, to the ring. Moxley walked through the crowd, taking his time as the crowd cheers him on. Moxley in the ring, crowd still cheering. He eggs them on to get even louder. You deserve it, chant. Uh, let's fucking stop the. You I hate chant. that shit. You oh. have earned it. How about that? Yeah, you won. Yeah, you have won. <laughs> the the deserve it is 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 smarky in that it's just like you didn't compete and win. Yeah, you were selected to now carry the belt, and that's why it's shitty. Uh, also, this is awesome. Fucking fuck off. This is awesome. Just get, get a little. 
Never got that shit, like... Uh, More fuck you Sammy chance to force him to, yes. to tag out, like this, the show had. Yeah. Moxie says the title is a beautiful thing uh, because of what it represents, professional wrestling. He says the belt never belonged to Chris Jericho. It doesn't belong to him. It only belongs to the fans. This is for surprisingly, like, a typical babyface promo. He, well, he's kind of a man of the people, right? That's yeah. kind of like John Moxie's, <laughs> John Moxie's thing. Uh, he continues uh, that for every fan who said they want something different, AEW brought pro wrestling back. Big pop. Uh, Moxie says there's not a man in AEW who can take the title from his cold dead hands, which doesn't make sense because the idea is supposed to be he should be come take it from my cold dead hands, not you can't take it from my cold dead hands, yeah. implying he is already dead and has cold hands. I don't know. Are what you the ready fuck. to experience that the, full death? <laughs> that rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, wait, what? That makes fucking sense. Uh, let's get Jericho on the fucking ramp here. Um, Jericho on the mic says he doesn't need the belt to be Le Champion. Uh, Jericho says he realizes that the Moxley era has begun tonight. He asks uh, the fans if they like that. They cheer. I don't think. <laughs> I, I think don't. I think it sucks ass. Uh, which he also said last week on Dynamite. Uh, and the, the crowd starts with a you suck ass chant back at Jericho. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, long story short here, uh, Jericho says, uh, well, now look what you've done. You've turned the inner circle into uh, this, what did he call them? Like a, like a group of handsome, a, a good group of handsome boys or something into a hit squad. Yeah. As now nobody in AW will be safe. Uh, they're going to rip and tear this fucking company apart or whatever. Um, Jericho says, if uh, John Moxley can walk out of the arena on his own uh, by the night, he's going to take a 30-day uh, hiatus. No, fuck that. A 60-day hiatus. And this is coming off the back of Fozzie announcing their tour for the next two months. So everybody's like, uh, just everybody starts chanting, Fozzie sucks at this point, which is great. <laughs> Even uh, though they all sing their song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, wrestling fans, man. Yeah. What are you going to fucking do? Uh, he also, <laughs> one of the best lines of this promo from Chris Jericho is that he's just like, I spent the better part of three months training to fight a guy with one <laughs> eye, and you've got two. Uh, so Chris Jericho's gimmick is is very much that he's just uh, completely fucking delusional, and it's amazing. This is one of the best maybe Jericho even characters. the best yeah. Jericho character. Yeah, like this is fucking in this great. point of his career. It's yeah, because we yeah. never we like in WWE they don't like stables, so we never got to see Jericho head of a stable yes. delusional leader guy, and this is fucking great. Yeah. Uh, pretty much Jericho, if you wanted to cast him as the shark in a Jaws remake at this point, I'd be like, that pro- that'll probably work. Yeah, he'll, yeah. he'll make it work. Can the shark talk? <laughs> <laughs> Suck ass. Uh, Jericho says that after tonight's main tag uh, match event, Jericho Guevara versus Moxley and Allen, uh, that Moxley won't walk out of here tonight, as I said. So, that's about it for the opening segment here. Uh, the main story here is that they are revisiting all the pay-per-view matches, giving you a quick taste of what went down. Uh, the announced teams very kind of quick recapping and very it. definitive. They're like, "Here, yeah. Sammy won." This, uh, no, sorry, Darby this, won. This wasn't a particularly good episode of Dynamite. It was a necessary episode of Dynamite. Yes, it was. I would uh, say not as great as the others because obviously those ones were fucking fantastic. This is very strong. We had a SCU, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, and Colt Cabana. Uh, versus the Dark Order, Evil Uno, Grayson, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver, who wear masks uh, the entire match. Sure. Uh, this was a fine match, lots of action, with yeah. this many guys in the match. You yeah. kinda, uh, Cole Cabana's got some cool offense. I've never seen that dude wrestle before, so he was fine. Yep. Uh, got kind of like a, a meathead kind of thing going on with him. That's fine. Yeah, Theme song a, is a, the right amount of annoying. No, he's a he's a comedy wrestler. Like He's one of the guys that really ushered in the era of comedy wrestling, and people like a lot of people take inspiration from him. But yeah, he's a very solid technical wrestler. He does everything fine. Nothing <laughs> to complain about here. 
Daniels with a leaping stomp and the suicide dive on Gray Kazarian with a slingshot cutter on Reynolds. Cover. Silver breaks it up. Uno with another cheap shot. Clearing out Sky. Kaban tagged in. Big elbow strike on Uno. Goes for another on Silver. And Uno uh, thumbs him in the eye. Cabana with a uh, second moonsault on both guys. Cabana and Reynolds on the top rope. Sky takes out three members of Dark Order. Cabana and... Uh, with the uh, Chicago Skyline, which is a cool-looking move, uh, drops Reynolds uh, de- up and down on the top turnbuckle with a Superman pin for the win. Superman pin. Really interesting-looking pin. Yep. Also, like, lame, and in a real uh, wrestling match, I don't think would have ever worked. But, but it's but... fine for Cole Cabana. Yeah, who is a, a meathead doofus, as we've just uh, yeah. talked. Uh, SEU and Cole Cabana win via uh, whatever. Uh, post-match, Uno yells on the microphone that this is not how things are supposed to go, and the Exalted One will be furious when he arrives, heads will roll. JR notes, Uno said he in the rant, because before that, uh, even though they referred to the Exalted One as a he for three months, now it was like, is it a he or a she? I, who is it? Who is uh, it? Britt Baker on commentary. Thankfully, this match was only a minute long. Uh, big Swole. Ooh, rough fucking match here. Uh, yeah. I like Big Swole a lot, though. But yeah, this is a rough fucking. What's man. uh? What's Blue Pants's first name? Le- Le- Leva. Leva Bates. Leva Bates. Yes. Okay. I've I, never seen it written, so I'm like, Le- Leva. Uh, I should fucking get rid of the library and give it. Some She's this side of all right, and they're just jobbing. You got yeah. Peter Avalon on the on the anyway. Big but, Swole uh, wins by a pinfall. But like the librarian the... gimmick isn't like like fine for dark. I think better than a. F- Fucking alien gimmick. Reason. Better than a fucking alien gimmick. <laughs> but TV presentable, it looks a little cheap, a little bit indie. Um, if you've seen Leva Bates otherwise, like when she's just in regular wrestling gear and just being a wrestler, like you could see her on WWE television just fine. we got to wait for her to let that hair down yep. in the classic uh, librarian trope. Right? Sure. She like takes the glasses off and like shakes her let's, hair out. Let's get to the actual good shit. Right I mean, the good shit's right here. Yeah. Uh, Cody heads to the ring, crowd giving him a big welcome. Cody says he's not sure if he wants to talk uh, about what it's like to personally lose to MGF. Professionally, Cody says it's a tough pill to swallow. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, not a bad promo from Cody here. Um, anyways, uh, Cody then says he could deal with what happened if MGF comes out to the ring and tells him he beat Cody fair and square. Out comes Jake the motherfucking Snake, Snake Roberts, Roberts on borrowed time. Uh, God bless DDP. Holy shit. This motherfucking guy for the last 20 years. The The story of Jake the Snake Roberts is sad. Fucking crazy. Uh, documented over multiple documentaries, uh, including him at his lowest point, his next lowest point, a high point, a low point, and then a high point. He looked finally. great here. Like healthy, fine. Looked fantastic. Crowd pops and chances. The crowd was like, they gasped. Yeah, like, like, it wasn't even like shit. a pop that it was Jake. It was like what the, what the fuck? What the f- actual and fuck? Jake when he's entering the ring, he's rubbing the ropes, he's, smelling he's sniffing the, the turnbuckle. Yeah. He's just like he's just like what the he's taking it all in. It's it's great. Yeah. It's a great moment. Uh, Robert says he's sorry to, sorry to spoil the party, and Jake, he doesn't wait. want to hear Cody cry and bitch. God damn this! This can we just say this promo in general is just fucking great. Yeah, great. Uh, promo. He he captivated the room. Uh, first of all, his voice is like. He's like a clone Palpatine at this point, this guy. He's just like, yeah, Cody. But he keeps calling Cody Caesar. Which is, I love that shit. Yeah. I love that shit. Uh, Robert says he's not here to praise Cody. Uh, he's here to slay Cody. Robert says uh, he has a client. The dark side will be coming to AEW. More dark 
Uh, Robert says he's gotten clean and he's worked hard for it. Crowd pops. Roberts talks about uh, the mind games uh, he would once play with opponents just by using a snake. Robert says he'll be on the outside of the ring when his client shows up. He tells Cody to bring that one-trick pony, Arn Anderson, with him. Crowd pops. Uh, Robert says he's not in AEW to take the whole pie. Yeah, well, let, I'm going to do it some justice here. I'm not here to take the whole pie, Cody. Just your piece. Just yours. And he's like whispering, and the whole crowd is just like, what the fuck is it? It was fucking phenomenal. No, and Jake uh, the Snake is one of the, because if you're, I don't know, if, if you know anything about 80s wrestling. He's 90s, got a great theme song. Early 90s wrestling. Yes, yeah. first of all, his theme song back then is fucking great. But everybody back then is Road Warriors, Hulk, yeah. Macho Man. Everybody's very shouty, very... Well, you know something, brother. Yeah. I'm gonna go out there tonight. I'm gonna blah, blah. Yeah. road warriors are like, well, you know me, Gene. They're gonna fuck bro. Jake the Snake Roberts knew when to get loud and when to get quiet. Where yeah. he's like, he's got somewhere to go. He's like, million dollar man, you bought him out there, and he was humbled. And tonight, I'm gonna <laughs> humble you. And you're like, Shit. fuck, the you're captivated. Fandom. Yes. Uh, he then tells Cody, uh, which isn't written here for some reason, but uh, he was once told by a wise man, never turn your back on someone you fear or respect. Uh, and then he throws the microphone and leaves. And turns his back on <laughs> yeah, Cody. Well, yeah. Like, is, it's so quick. That it's like, so perfect. There's the chef's kiss. I love <laughs> the end of that. I was in like audibly out loud at my house. I said, fuck, I love that. Yeah. Oh, it was yes. great. Uh, so eagerly awaiting what Jake the Snake Roberts has in store and if they have paired Jake the Snake Roberts with, with Brody with Lee Brody Lee aka, AKA Luke, Luke Harper, Harper. Oh, oh baby I fucking love that think if they do up Luke Harper in like a Jake the Snake not like full on gimmick but if they just give him that little cut his hair a little bit you know to clean him up a little bit make him like a weird a weird fucking Look, and they they should give Brody Lee, like gimmick yeah. of I'm not here to make friends. I only have a certain amount of time left in this business. I'm here to fucking wreck house, like wreck yeah. house, make an impact, win a title, and don't have him talk and have Jake the Snake Roberts talk for him. You can Done. have Luke talk, but Jake should definitely be his mouthpiece because he's such a great talker. It's crazy. Would you just look at the AEW roster and you look at anyone on this roster that has come from AEW and you look at where they are? Oh, you mean fucking, WWE? Yeah, sorry, uh, from WWE. It's Fucking insane. Well, there's like, only Jericho and Moxley. Cody. Fucking yeah, Pac. Cody. Fucking keep going, right? So, anyway. Uh, soon to be Brody Lee. We won't talk about Sean Spears. Uh, we won't talk about Sean Spears. <laughs> he's, he's Sean Spears, no matter where he is. Uh, Pac versus Chuck Taylor uh, with Orange Cassidy and Trent. Some miscommunications during this I match. I love was... how JR shits on Chuck's fucking physique because he does look like a fat piece he's, of he's shit. He's a little chubby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he said something along the lines of just like, man, could you imagine if this guy got in shape? He'd be really something to wrap <laughs> <laughs> like, Man, can you imagine if this big guy was... And like, like... You, look at, you look at Trent, his partner, and Trent's yeah. fucking ripped. ripped to shit. Yeah. 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 Whatever. That's funny. They have... One of them's got to be soft for all the hugging. It works for Chuck because he is such a funny guy. Well, when you look at... Can you imagine a Chuck Chuck Taylor? Imagine Chuck Taylor's face on a ripped guy. Chuck Taylor, who basically looks like Stephen Baldwin. (laughs) Imagine if he was just, like, ripped to shit. It wouldn't make sense. This, like, kind of doughy appearance. Yeah. Uh, And when we say doughy, this guy's fucking more in shape than either of us will ever be. Uh, Are you kidding me? I'd fucking... You can run the ropes like Chuck Taylor? Probably. I'd fucking run (laughs) Reed's going to try out. He's going down to Florida. We gotta we gotta wrap this up though. Pac is up and blasts Taylor out of the ring. Uh, sends Taylor into the barricade. Back in the ring, uh, Trent, Taylor plants Pac. Cover to some animosity outside of the ring between Pac and Orange Cassidy throughout this. Uh, in the end, Taylor heads up to the top rope and goes for a moonsault. Nobody home. Pac locks in the brutalizer, and that will do. Yeah. Uh, Jake Hagar versus QT Marshall. 
this was the squash that... Yes, we'll skip over this match and just talk about the ending, uh, which saw one Nick Jackson? Help me out. Matt Jackson. Uh, so Nick Jackson and Kenny Omega are both not cleared to wrestle. Kenny has a broken toe, and Ma- and Nick has something else going on with him. Uh, Matt Jackson comes in, fires up on these guys as uh, the inner circle starts beating up QT Marshall and Cody after the match. Uh, eventually, hangman. one hangman, Adam Page, comes surly sauntering <laughs> down to the ring holding a half-finished uh, beer. Or half full beard, depending on how you look at it. Uh, he very gingerly lays his beer uh, on the on the post uh, and then goes to work on the inner circle in the ring. Then he uh, fucking flips off Matt. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt Jackson comes up and he's like, "Hey, kind of like thanks, like thanks. maybe like a like a, a sign of respect." Uh, and Heyman Page puts a middle finger right. At the tip of his nose, showing that even though Matt is over yes. the match, they had a revolution. Hangman very much is not yet. No, yeah, you are my rival until you're not. Yeah, uh, backstage MJF with Wardlow with a light shining on them. Uh, MJF uh, cuts a promo here. Nothing wrong with it. Makes fun of Cody's tattoo as he should. Yep. Uh, I guess we're not going to make fun of the band because they still play the theme song. But fuck that tattoo should be mentioned in every MJF promo for the rest of time. <laughs> Uh, we are running out of time, so I will quickly go to the main event, which saw uh, Santana, Ortiz, and Hagar jump Moxley as he entered the arena. Darby Allen already waiting in the ring with Sammy Guevara and Jericho. Uh, some people are like, Ooh, why didn't Darby go f- save when Moxley? The, when, when the, the fuck, fuck would, Mo- would Darby save Moxley? Why, when the fuck was it established that Darby and Moxley are friends? If Never. Darby was in danger with Moxley? The, the only reason is because they are currently tag partners. Yeah. But from Darby's point of view, does he go to the lobby and get his ass kicked by three people as Moxley's already incapacitated? Or does he stay in the ring where, as a babyface, Darby is sizing up Jericho and Sammy Guevara, and he's like, "I got a better chance here in a wrestling match than in than standing outside getting hit with chairs and yeah." This would be different if Nick Jackson was getting attacked and Matt Jackson stayed in the he's ring. He's like, "What?" Yeah. yeah, but these are two uh, tweeners that have been established. That, that could even be like, "Hey, man, Paige Kenny thing." If Kenny's getting attacked outside, Paige yeah. is like, "No, start the match. Let's but go." Darby and Moxley have yeah. been established to be tweeners who don't have friends, so why the fuck would they help each other? Yeah, so. Uh, Jer- Moxie's getting his ass completely dismantled uh, in the lobby. The match starts. Darby fires up on both these guys and is completely believable in this handicap match. Uh, tags himself in at one point. You know what? Uh, you, know what I, you know what I would love next week if John basically goes, "Darby, what the fuck? You didn't help me!" And boom, they have a match that night. Moxley and Darby. Yeah, I'd love that. Two baby faces. Like yeah. what? 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 Moxley. What reason did I have to save you? Like I could win the match. Like we are not. We are not friends. Yep. Uh, great match. Eventually, it's five on one as uh, the rest of the inner circle is on the uh, the outside getting cheap shots in on Darby. Uh, as we as we mentioned, Darby does do a coffin drop to the entire inner circle. Eventually, John Moxley stumbles to the ring with a chair, gets fucking laid out again. Uh, they shield power bomb him on the outside yeah. off the ramp, and then they all flip him off at the same time. Big chops. Yoshi Tonic for the two count. Uh, Jericho is knocked off the apron. Allen sends Guevara down to, on his crew. Allen with a big coffin drop, as I just said, on the inner circle. Holy shit chant from the crowd. Back in the ring, over the top stunner. Coffin drop hits on Guevara. Guevara, you're selling. Uh, cover. Jericho goes uh, to break it up and hits Guevara by mistake. Jericho sent uh, out to the floor. Allen tries for the suicide dive. This In this match, it was completely believable that Darby Allen was about to steal a win in a handicap match against the entire inner circle, which would have been fucking awesome. Yep. Uh, Allen tries for a suicide dive. Jericho hits him with the Judas effect in midair. He tosses Allen back in, and Guevara slinks over and pins him. Yeah, and then the aftermatch angle that we talked about earlier where they yes. put him 
So after they lay out Moxley, uh, who's all fucked up, they do the shield powerbomb through a table just off the ramp. All give him a big middle finger, and that's how the show goes off the air. So uh, presumably Moxley not able to limp his way out of this arena, and Jericho will be staying while touring with Fozzie. But when you have a private plane, I guess that's a thing you can do. You can do whatever you want. Also, Jericho has done a fucking pay-per-view and a concert in the same mat in the same night. Oh, really? That was the, the double or nothing or something. It was just like, oh, Jericho's playing Fozzie, so obviously he's not going to be here. And then he fucking showed up, mm. uh, thanks to Tony Khan. So when you can pull shit off like that, genuine surprises in wrestling, fucking fuck me, I'm there for it. Yeah, like, good stuff. Uh, yes. So to sum up, MJF and Cody at the pay per view, big disappointment. Uh, maybe the most disappointing thing of all of this. It, it was uh, like AJ Styles and Nakamura all over again. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, but for different reasons. With the different, held, yeah. uh, except Nakamura had a good entrance <laughs> at the very least during yeah. that match. That's going to be it for Sultans of Slam. Read on Honor emails. Everything else will have to wait until next week. Uh, please check out Public Beta Podcast as Reed plugged in the middle of the show, which is the best place to plug anything. Yep. On Monday, we're going to have a supercut bonus episode that is just the four parts of Near Automata. Uh, which should be you know, an hour and a half or so. Uh, yeah. So look for that Monday uh, as a bonus episode. Otherwise, thank you for tuning in to Salt and Slam. If you want to interact with the show, uh, at titsiceberg on Twitter or lee at titsiceberg.com is my Tits email. Iceberg. Titsiceberg. <laughs> uh, you can't do of the. It was too long of mm. a, a thing at the time. Uh, anyway, uh, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts are listened to. We'll talk to you again next week. That's the Sultans of Slam. And welcome to the jam.